0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. Welcome to the year 2010. (laughs) We made it. What a great New Year's uh, shindig and swingy uh, soiree I was at. I'm surprised I made it through. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it was a good time. We were partying like it was 2009. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We were like 10 years better than Prince. (laughs) So Big D here with you. And welcome to the brand new year and another edition of the Northwest Convergence Zone Show. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> and my man here, Big Joe. Hey, everybody. Greetings and
1: New Year's salutations from the man cave in the city of Bowl games. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) That is the gift, the real gift of the new year. Absolutely. That's the best Christmas gift, New Year's gift you can have. Right, Double D?
2: I don't What's a bowl game? (laughs) (laughs) Bowling. (laughs) Bowling? Bowling is (laughs) a bowl game. (laughs) Wow. I didn't.
1: That's on TV? Yes. Well, uh, Big D is psyched because uh, I think that... uh, the national championship game has some meaning to him oh, and you uh, think? We're, yeah we're looking forward to watching it oh, on March 14th man <laughs> <laughs> I'm as,
0: I wish it was March 14th, because I'm I mean, as nervous as a cat in a bag, They man. keep
1: moving it later and later oh, and yeah, later. Give soon, me
0: a break. Pretty soon it'll be the day before the season starts. Even, if they're going to move it
1: into the new year so far, just make it on a weekend then. Why on a
0: Thursday? Oh, it's ter- that just really irks me to no end. I mean, and, and here on the West Coast, we always get it at like 5. Yes. So you're rushing home from work, you know, and it's on a Thursday, which is a terrible traffic day. Yes. Anyway, good luck to the horns, man. I, I wasn't going to mention it because I know it's the northwest and stuff, but I'm psyched out of my skull. That's outstanding, yeah. So anyway, Double D, you made it through the New Year's. Uh, yes, I did. Would you sleep? Uh, yeah, I went to bed at 9, <laughs> <laughs> woke up at, w- woke up at uh, midnight when some people were shooting off some stuff, and I thought there was some, you know... Shooting ramp- up some stuff. <laughs> shooting off. But, you know, oh, fireworks. Yeah, oh, uh, uh,
1: but it was someone you were <laughs> legally responsible for, so no yeah. big
0: deal. And uh, Wonder Boy, school tomorrow. Yeah, that's school <laughs> uh, stuff. I, I had two weeks of just, you know, nothing to so, say three... Uh, Death, obeying the parents, you know all that. Yeah. Now we have to go obey those
2: teachers, do the homework. Well, all I can all, say all is, fun stuff.
0: welcome to the new year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a horrible start. Dude. Anyway, here on the Northwest Convergence Zone show, we've uh, been blessed. We were blessed last year with some really terrific guests. We had a lot of fun, and uh, this year's no different, man. We're starting out with a bang, and this is our uh, a, a sports show we're going to do, and. Uh, we have a couple of uh, Northwest uh, personalities and that we're excited about. And the first one is a guy named Mike Curto, who is the voice of the Tacoma Rainiers. Now you're like, well, yeah, that's baseball. But this sure. is the uh, height of the Hot Stove hot League, Hot Stove man. League, yeah. Things hot are stove happening. League, and they just signed a $30 million agreement for the uh, Cheney Stadium upgrades and Fixing stuff. Fixing it up, yes. And so it's like, hey, let's bring Mike in and chat with him. He was gracious enough to show up and... Here's what it sounded like. All right, today we're in the studio with Mike Curto. He is the voice and the play-by-play announcer of the Tacoma Rainiers. He also writes the Tacoma News Tribune beat when they're on the road. And, uh, Mike, how are you? Thanks thanks for stopping in.
3: Doing great. It's a pleasure to be here at the uh, Convergence Zone studio.
0: Thank you. (laughs) So uh, we're all fans of the Rainiers, and uh, Tacoma, obviously, is the AAA affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. So the fun, one of the fun things about going to the ballpark is with Triple A is you get to see guys who are coming up that are just about to the show and guys who are maybe in the waning part of their career or they're rehabbing and so there's a real cool mix in the Triple A field. And uh, the Tacoma Rainiers have been here for quite a while. And when did you join them?
3: Well, my first year was uh, the 1999 season and That was, uh, you know, the team has been here since 1960, so I missed a huge chunk of the the baseball history here, but this will be my 12th season coming up.
0: Now, do you remember who was on, who was the play-by-play before you?
3: Yeah, Bob Robertson, who's a... Legend oh, in the, the Northwest guy, yeah. still one of the greatest college football broadcasters uh, working today. Absolutely.
0: And do you, was Art Popham before him?
3: I believe so, yes. Because yeah. when
0: I was here as a teenager, i come and gone from the Northwest. Art Popham was the guy on the radio, and we used to listen to him all the time. And uh, so now let's go back and let's talk about... Uh, young Mike and where you grew up and what your family was like? Were you part of a large family, a small family? Where where were you guys
3: located? I grew up in Menlo Park, California, which is about uh, 30 miles south of San Francisco, kind of halfway between San Francisco and San Jose, and uh, grew up uh, in a small family with my mom and my sister, and uh, just kind of got into baseball at an early age, I guess, and uh, went to my first game when I was eight years old, and I remember it, and and I just kind of always wanted to broadcast baseball. I used to listen to all the games on the radio. And, you know, when I was supposed to be asleep, I'd sneak on the radio <laughs> to listen to the light, yes. late innings and, uh, you know, just uh, o- always had uh, baseball on the radio ever since I was very young. And eventually got my mom into it, where now to this day, she listens to every Giants game on the radio. Is that right? Yeah. So I assume it was a Giants game you went to. Yeah, it was. It was.
0: Yeah. And who was broadcasting back then
3: that you were listening to? A guy named Hank Greenwald, yes. who is now retired, but he's the announcer who I kind of... Grew up listening to and sort of modeled myself after.
0: Okay. So now, when I was a kid, and we, I mean, I think at some point any sports fan had a dream of growing up and you know being a broadcaster i'd be out in the back playing basketball and uh, you know talking about my game you know fortune dribbling in the corner and you know <laughs> shoots from the left post or whatever did you ever turn the sound down on the tv and and sit there and call games
3: yeah you know, i never actually did that which uh, i found out now talking to other people in the business almost all of them did that when, yeah. when they were kids for some reason i didn't i didn't do the the fake broadcast in my head <laughs> and i don't know how i missed that I, I feel like i missed a key part of my youth there because i didn't <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that, but it's common though for people in the broadcasting yeah. profession to have done that.
0: Yeah, it is. So, okay, so you're growing up in the Bay Area and you're following the uh, the Giants, and then you go? Do you go to broadcasting school, or where do you go from there?
3: I uh, I was uh, I ended up going to college at, at Berkeley, and I knew I wanted to try broadcasting. And one of the things when I was looking at colleges was I tried to find out if they had a student radio station or not. And you apply to colleges, and it was, I was under a lot of pressure to go to college and visit colleges and do all that. And uh, so that was something I was interested in, is finding out if they had student radio. And then I eventually ended up getting into Cal, which was a better school than all the other ones. So <laughs> I had to go there, whether they had a radio station or not. And it turns out they did. And uh, uh, I signed volunteered at the radio station before I went to my first class. And they had a, a system there where it's a student and community-run public radio station. Right. And... Uh, you can't just show up and go on the air. You have to really work to do it. And the, the, the seniors kind of teach the freshmen, and they, they made me go out and broadcast baseball, college baseball games into a tape recorder, and I had to do that seven or eight times before they decided <laughs> that I was good enough to do one bad game at the end of the year between, you know, two losing teams that probably no one was going to listen to anyway. Right. And my freshman year, I did one game, and my sophomore year, I did two. But then then I, you know, by that point, some people had graduated, and all of a sudden, junior year, I was like second in seniority, and I was doing most of the games, and senior year, I was running the sports department, so nice. uh, it just kind of... It, it's not a class. They don't have a journalism program there for broadcasters, but it's... It's just students teaching students, and it really worked out well.
0: So what did you major in, then?
3: I majored in English because okay. I like to read books. There you go. You yeah. oh. didn't have to go to class that much, either. <laughs>
0: Hang out in the studio, read books, <laughs> watch the ball games. Okay, so you uh, you come out of college, and um, you're looking into the broadcasting of baseball. Is that a tough gig to get into? To uh, How do you apply for that? Do yeah, you send out
3: tapes? You send out tapes. It's pretty amazing how hard it is to get started. It, I had no idea uh, the, you know, I. By the time I graduated, I was doing thirty base, you know, thirty Pac-10 baseball games a year and traveling with a team at, to UCLA and Arizona and Arizona State and those places. And uh, you know, I had what I thought was a pretty good tape uh, of highlights uh, to, to get a job. And I was willing to go to anywhere to go to the lowest level of the minor leagues. And I, I sent out my 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 resume and all that, and just to find out that I was one of seventy-five or eighty people applying for. A job in greensboro north carolina that pays you know eight hundred dollars a month i'm like well what's <laughs> everyone wants to do this apparently and it, it was hard and I, I didn't i didn't get a job for a couple of years until a couple of years after i graduated uh, in broadcasting so
0: and who was the first team that picked you up
3: uh the independent team in lafayette indiana <laughs> that uh the the lead the team uh is no longer around in fact it the, the league folded <laughs> the year i was there but hey i got my experience but though. you got in, yeah so you're
0: gonna add that to your Some resume good stories
3: from that one yeah.
0: yeah and uh anybody from that league that that you recall that
3: uh went on to anything there was a, one player from that league who uh who had a cup of coffee with the cubs named or maybe the White Sox, named Porzio. He was a left-hand pitcher. He might have been in the major leagues for a week or two, but just merely that was just overcoming all odds, considering what that league was and the the quality of the play that was in that league.
0: Right. So you're in Indiana, and uh, they fold. Where are we going
3: next? Uh, Back home. (laughs) Back home. (laughs) Back home to live with mom. Yeah. And then then I got offered a job uh, with another independent league team in, in Bend, Oregon, and they were just starting out. And I had just been with an independent team that folded, and I actually told the guy who was inter- interviewing me, hey, I was with a team that just folded, so I kind of <laughs> know some of the mistakes to, to, to avoid, and that that worked. So uh, I spent a year in the Western Baseball League, which uh, I was only there for one year, but that league did hang on for seven or eight years, and it kind of turned into a new independent league they have called the Golden Baseball League that has a lot of the same cities, and they still play now. But I did one year there, and then I finally got uh, in with an affiliated team in the California League, a San Diego Padres affiliate in Rancho Cucamonga, just uh, nice. uh, east of L.A. And That's, that's always fun to start. say, isn't it? Yeah, the Rancho Cucamonga Rancho Quakes. Rancho
0: Cucamonga. They play at the
3: epicenter. Their <laughs> yeah. mascots are Tremor and Aftershock. <laughs> uh,
0: so are there i'm just curious in the in the independent leagues are there a lot of people listening to the broadcast i would go with no (laughs) but enough obviously to hire somebody
3: yeah uh and well especially in the lower in the real low minor leagues a lot of times the you know the the whole radio part of the deal is, is brought about by the general manager or the owner of the baseball team they buy the radio time and they hire the announcer and they'll try to sell their own ads and the whole reason is they figure, you know, 3 hours of baseball is an advertisement for their team right on the radio and you know, even major league teams look at that in a lot in a lot of ways you say, you know, in the major leagues people care about whether they win or lose, there's right. always built-in listeners, but still there are marketing people who say, "Hey, this is, you know, a key part of our marketing, the radio broadcast and and we need to make sure, you know, being on the air is is an advertisement for our team and to try to get people to come to games."
0: So, uh now you're with the Rainiers. Take us in. Take us step by step. Did you send a tape? Did you? Is there like an advertising pay, paper for minor league teams? How did you find out that they were looking for somebody and submit a tape? And then what was it like getting that call?
3: Oh, I see. Now it's really easy. You just go to a website and you find out what teams are have openings. But <laughs> What's the name back of that then, <laughs> uh, back then, call. Uh, no, what is it called? Uh, uh, I can't remember right now. I have it saved on my browser. But the, <laughs> back then, you had to call around. You had to make phone calls and call teams. And I knew. I had a good job in A ball, and I knew I didn't want to go to certain parts of the country at that point. So I kind of had a, a narrower look. I was wanting to go to any AAA team and only a few AA teams. And uh, Tacoma had an opening. I found out somehow; someone told me or I called. I can't remember exactly. And so I was one of about ninety people who applied for the job. And then I I, I called the guy uh, Kevin Kalal, who's uh, you know still here in Tacoma, and he uh, he was sorting through all the tapes and I called him to make sure he got it and he said, Yeah, let's do it. It was pretty good. You know, hopefully uh we'll be talking again soon and he, they narrowed it down to ten people and from there we had a little phone interview there wasn't very much and next thing I know they called me and offered me the job.
0: Wow, that must yeah. have been pretty cool feeling. Yeah it was great. So now uh trip, being a triple A announcer, it's not like being a triple A ball player, is it like if Rick Riz goes down uh, he has a head cold or something. He can't make it. They don't call you up. No, they? they
3: they sure don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know it's, they the Mariners. You know they have great broadcasting team, but they I'm not an employee of the Mariners. I'm an employee of the Tacoma Rainiers. Right. So they don't necessarily have any affiliation to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I if I'm going to reach the major leagues, uh, it's not going to happen in the middle of a season. And it would happen in the off season when one of the, when a team somewhere has an opening and then. It would be the, kind of the same deal. I would apply for it and, and get that job and probably have to know someone important in the right spot and kind of be in the right place at the right time.
0: But being in the AAA, I imagine you're making some contacts, aren't you?
3: Yeah, uh, here and there. Uh, you know, mostly with your own team. I know a lot of the people in the Mariners mm-hmm. front office. And uh, other than that, the contacts I make tend to be on the baseball side. You know, I'll meet scouts and. Yeah, sometimes a, a baseball front office person, but that doesn't necessarily help you on the broadcasting angle, right?
0: Listen to those pipes, man. That's a, he's got the pipes, doesn't that he? Sounds good. yeah. So uh, let's go into the booth now. You're uh, as an announcer, you're preparing for a game. Uh, what is what does that entail? And do you do you have like you know stacks of stats? I'm always curious about whether it be basketball or baseball, uh, any kind of sport where stuff's moving players are shifting in and out, and all this stuff's going on, and yet it appears that, you know, like stats just come out of thin air, and, oh, this guy's coming to the plate, and no one's ever heard of him, but you've got his entire history. How's that working?
3: Yeah, it's. Uh, I use a lot of notes that I prepare. I, I work for two or three hours every day before I come to the park at home or in the hotel room, mostly on the Internet, but I write down a bunch of notes on players on both teams, and I track how how uh, the reindeers players are doing, you know, uh, Brian Laher has a hit in each of his last eight games, that type of thing. You know, I keep track of that myself. And then uh, they, the basic stats, the batting average and home runs and all that, that's that's in a package that gets copied and they pass out in the press box. And then I have ways I set everything up on my desk. So it's right there. So if something comes up in the game, I have it right in front of me. So and then I keep a- score of the game, too, on a score sheet like uh you know old the school box score. Yeah, like kids today don't know how to do it they you don't know, yeah, single <laughs> the, right. yeah you because know, when you go six, to three as
0: a fan from a <laughs> fan perspective when i go to the ballpark you know you see grandpa over there and oh, he's yeah. got he's yeah. got the, the that's me the, <laughs> right.
1: that's me yeah, yeah. my father-in-law there's, does it every game that he goes to yeah, there's no he's no really kids are really doing, doing that, that.
3: no because it's all on the internet now and i could just pull it off the internet but if uh, you know if there's a they now have a pitch by pitch uh Live uh, update going on during triple A baseball games. Really? So I don't actually have to score it on paper anymore, but I've been doing it my whole life, and I'm not going to stop doing it. Right, right. Uh,
0: so any um, any stories? Have you ever had a moment where you just froze up or, uh, you know, like you're in the booth and something, to use a baseball metaphor, a curveball's thrown and you're, like, you're stuck?
3: Yeah, but as you get experience, <laughs> you find yourself working around that. They're... They, I mean, the first game I ever broadcasted college, I called a foul ball a home run, or maybe it was a home run a foul ball. I, don't, I, I just completely botched it, mm-hmm. and someone had to bail me out. Uh, but now, I'm, uh, you, you kind of learn how to, to to adjust when you make a mistake or you don't see something. Like we used to, they're not in the league anymore, but we used to have a team in Edmonton, and Edmonton's stadium had this horrible 1980s style uh, light green astroturf it was like that flat kind of carpet you know before they started making the real fake grass this was like uh you know old school uh just green cement you know carpet with cement (laughs) under it ground balls going 100 miles an hour and at daylight when it was a day game and the sun was beating down you could i couldn't see the ball on this i just could not see the ball and so uh, a lot of times I'm watching the shadow of the ball to try to figure out if it's hit in the air or not or watching the <laughs> fielders to try to figure out where, where it was hit. And so you just kind of adjust the call of the game to, to maybe delay actually calling the action until you know what it is for sure right. until you pick it up. And when that franchise moved down to Round Rock, Texas, I was like, all right, it, I like going to Edmonton, but at least I'll be able to see the ball.
0: <laughs> that's a nice stadium in Round Rock, isn't it?
3: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. that's gorgeous. Well, I was going to ask
1: you, uh, Mike, in your 12 years in the PCL, you've probably, well, obviously spent a lot of time on the road. And there's some great cities in the PCL uh, yes, Memphis, there are. Nashville, Vegas, New Orleans. Yeah. Um, of all the cities in the PCL, do you have any favorites? And the uh, same with. Uh, um the ballparks that you've been to yeah
3: i have uh, this is a popular subject of conversation uh, the uh, my favorite cities are vegas and new orleans just i mean obviously they're very fun places and you can have a good time there but time. they're also night cities which is key because we're done working and uh, usually around 11 o'clock is when i'm leaving the stadium and I'm not ready to go to bed. I've been working. You know, i I'm, I'm just off work, and I'm not ready to go to bed. I, you know, we always stay up till two, three in the morning. And in Las Vegas or New Orleans, you can still go get something to eat and find something to do, you know, at, at midnight or one in the morning, which you can't do in Colorado Springs, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, or Salt Lake, or Fresno,
0: <laughs> open all night town.
3: <laughs> well, but you asked me about my favorite city. so yeah, right. Vegas and New Orleans, and then other than that, Portland's a great road trip with the downtown stadium they currently have, and. uh salt lake city is underrated that's a it's a clean modern downtown and their stadium is fantastic and uh oklahoma city which is tough to admit up here in the greater <laughs> seattle area yeah. but they have a beautiful uh ballpark from uh, and, and, uh, my favorite stadium in the league and uh and it's right in the middle of an active uh, area and they put us up in a hotel that's like three blocks away so you're on foot everywhere you go and it's Hey, it's a nice setup. Yeah, isn't
0: that called Bricktown? Bricktown,
3: yeah. It's yeah, just I've south been of to that. It's
0: very nice. That is. Uh, they got a big statue of. Uh, They've got a Mickey couple Johnny Bench there. and
3: Mickey Mantle out yeah, there. Yeah, it's very,
0: very nice. So, uh, okay, so the um, as far as players go, and you've been in the league for quite some time now, and I, you've seen guys go to the pros and come, come and come and go any favorites that you've uh, do you interview them you get to know them I, mean, I know you're on the road do you travel with the team how's that I, work
3: on the yeah travel with the team uh, same flights and buses and everything uh, same hotels and all that uh, i get to know them uh you know uh, really on the road mm-hmm. um and you know so my i have there's two categories of favorite players i mean favorite players on the field sure, and favorite and off players the player. off the yeah, field yeah well, give and us both. sometimes they cross over um Like Adam Jones is an example of one of my favorite players on the field, but also off the field. And I mean, that was a. A couple years ago, he was uh, on our. You know, he was having a real good first half, and he made the AAA All Star game. And it happened. I happened to be selected to broadcast that same All Star game. Ah, And it was you. It was in Toledo, and you know, (laughs) both of us were like, you know, when the All Star break comes around, you look forward to it because you work every day, and then Mm. finally you get three days off. All right, you know, and like we we don't get three days off. We're going to Toledo, so we went to, (laughs) and we turned out. It turned out, you know, neither he nor I really knew anyone else there. He knew one or two other players, and uh who had another guy from the rainiers with us but uh we had uh you know it was we were stuck in toledo for three days and we ended up having a lot of fun and you start to realize hey this is you know he's 20 years he was 21 years old and you know he's real mature guy and had his head on his shoulders he could tell he was going to make it uh, just based on the way he was thinking about things uh in addition to his talent
0: and the uh so when you're traveling with the team and you guys are going to you know i assume it's bus and plane and uh so forth is uh do the guys gel or are they the are there i mean i know in baseball there's a whole group of guys and it's a lot of people going do they you know group up and they say have this group over here that group over there." Or is everybody pretty much they hang out or how's that work there's
3: there's clicks but they're also kind of gel too. a little bit of both uh, one thing you have is there's always a strong contingent of uh spanish-speaking players from the dominican republic or venezuela or mm. puerto rico and uh, they tend to they tend to gather together because they all speak the same language. Sure. You totally understand that, and uh, th- that's real, you know. But then there's crossing over of the the groups and all that pitchers tend to hang out with pitchers hitters tend to hang out with pitch uh, hitters i never really figured that one out but catchers <laughs> you would hang out wondering with the pitchers try to get
0: their try to get their secrets
3: you know
1: as a californian and uh uh the time you spent around latin ball players, how's your spanish
3: oh i wish i could speak it. i really <laughs> do. do it was like the one thing i wish i could, could do yeah. now
0: were you part of the the ownership crossover were you uh, i've worked
3: what? for two different owners in tacoma and yeah. were you
0: worried at all when that was going down or yeah
3: that's a scary thing for a broadcaster. Because you worry about keeping your job, because yeah. you never know if the new owners maybe have someone from one of their, you know, a lot of times owners have multiple minor league teams. Maybe they want to promote someone from another team, or they have someone in mind, or maybe they just don't like you. You know, so yeah. it's uh, I count myself fortunate to have survived that. So, do
0: they have like a sit down with you? Uh, they discuss anything? Uh, you kept in the dark, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess I'm keeping it.
3: Um, yeah, it kind of went that way. Uh, <laughs> I was sort of kept in the dark, and then uh, they there there were bigger they had things they were working on that had nothing to do with the radio broadcast and it took them a while to get the management team that they wanted in place but once they did then uh, the guy who is the president of the team now Aaron Artman he came to me and said hey you're doing good you're my guy. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, Mike Curdo, uh, just as an individual, when you're not at the ballpark, which I know uh, n- this time of year is probably kind of nice, but you know during the year, like you said, you're working long hours and it's like day upon day upon day. What do you What do you do in your downtime? What, what What's some interest to you? Are, are you all about baseball all the time? You got other sports interests? Uh, what are some of your hobbies?
3: Um, I'm interested in uh, sports that. Uh, you know, base. I read about baseball even every day in the off season just to stay on top of the news and everything. But uh, other than that, I, I, I follow my college sports, football and basketball, particularly. So I'm a big Cal football and Cal basketball fan, and more so for basketball because when I was in school, they had a good basketball team, not a good football team, and. uh that's, that's where my fanhood is now. Because I guess in baseball, I'm a huge baseball fan, but the things I root for aren't the things that I rooted for when I was a kid growing up. When I was a kid growing up, I rooted for the San Francisco Giants and for the Giants to win, and I wanted them to win the World Series. And now I'm not even a Giants fan anymore. I'm a fan of the sport, and I root for, like, for players that maybe I've gotten to know or I've come to root for for one reason or another. And I kind of root for people in the game instead. And Like this year when the Yankees played the Phillies in the World Series, I kind of grew up hating the Yankees but
2: I I didn't really
3: care who who won the World Series. I just wanted it to be a good series and to be good baseball and be exciting and and we got some of that which was good. But uh yeah. um so yeah, my 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 yell at the TV as a sports fan thing is definitely Cal basketball. I will <laughs> I will yell at my TV cuz some 18-year-old kid misses a free throw. <laughs> uh
1: Mike, I was wondering uh what was it like? I can't believe it's been uh this
3: long already in 01 to call uh Halama's perfect game. Yeah, it was a long time ago. That that was uh it was pretty amazing. The uh it's the only one I've ever seen and probably the only one I ever will see. Um you, you could sense it coming uh and once the 7th inning came around and you got through that just every pitch was exciting and um I I'm not proud of my call of that game. I've listened to it enough times, to you know, I don't want to listen to it anymore, but uh, <laughs> it uh you know, it's it was, it was Great to be there, and you know, it. People still remember. You just pulled that pulled that off the top of your head right now. There was a good crowd that day. There was over five thousand uh, in the ballpark that day, and there were a good number of people there. And it was in the middle of July, and nice weather, and hey, you know, a lot of people remember that game. So, yeah. were you
0: nervous at all that you were going to jinx it?
3: Oh no, <laughs> you know no, how you I could- don't.
0: Because people, people, I know any time there's a perfect game or a, a no-hitter going, the announcers are all of a sudden get real cautious about mentioning it. Yep, the players right. move away from the pitcher mm, in the yeah. dugout. Yep. Was any of that going through your head or are yeah, you just oh, yeah, doing I, your
3: thing? I'd, I'm torn on this one is that I don't believe anything I say on the air is going to affect anything that's happening down on the field that just doesn't fit in my brain. But the, uh, if I do say he's throwing a no-hitter – and then he gives up a hit shortly afterwards. Yes. I'm going to hear about it, if certainly for the rest of the season, and him. maybe longer than that. So I right. don't say he's throwing a no hitter. I just don't do it yes. uh, on the air. Now, <laughs> when we're there was a situation in Colorado Springs this last year where they had a pitcher throwing a no hitter through six innings against Tacoma and. You know, that, that's the high, it's higher than Coors Field. It's a ridiculous baseball environment there. A common final score is like 13 to 12. You see that all the time. Wow. And so the, the fact that this guy had six no hit innings was amazing. Yeah. And so I walked into their press box and said, Hey, has anyone ever thrown a no hitter in this ballpark before? <laughs> and all these people turned and looked at me. This was, you know, during a commercial break. And I go in there and I got like 15 looks of death. <laughs> First pitch, seventh inning, Jeff Clement, home run to oh, center field. No. No, okay. <laughs> they're banging on the
0: wall. Yep. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry.
3: <laughs>
0: so for you as a, uh, as a broadcaster, can you uh, go back or and maybe it was recently, what's the, what's the biggest moment for you when you thought, you know, this was really, you know, I've arrived or this is really big for me? I mean, just something personal for you where you were like, this was, you know, this is what it's about. This is what I've always dreamed of. This is like a cool moment.
3: Um, Well, I had a chance to fill in a couple of Major League games uh, in, I guess it was 2003 and 2004, the last two years of the Montreal Expos. They had interleague play against the Mariners, and they were running on a shoestring budget, and they sent one broadcaster... Uh, around with the team, one English broadcaster, which is kind of like the Mariner's Spanish broadcaster, because right. French was the primary language in Montreal. But anyway, so they'd send w- one guy broadcasting the game in English around, and he, would soli- he solicited help in certain cities on the road, and he, uh, he had me help him, and I got to call the middle three innings of each of a three-game series. And the first year, which I guess was 03, but it might have been 02, I'm can't remember exactly right now but the first year I did it I was nervous and not very good but I guess good <laughs> enough because the next year they came through again and he invited me back and the next year I thought I did I thought I broadcasted it as well as any major league broadcaster would and that I was really proud of that and you know I might never get a chance to work full-time in the major leagues but at least I called a couple of major league games and you know, the second time around, I didn't even screw it up too badly.
0: Oh well, I, I think you got—I think you have the stuff to do it. We—I listen to your broadcast all the time, and and I enjoy it. I—I I know we have great announcers in Seattle. I mean, Hall of Famers and stuff. But you know, if they ever go, I hope you get the call because uh, I, I enjoy your style. I enjoy um, your input and all the things that that go along with the broadcast. The game itself, obviously you know the way you call it and 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 its progression is is also interesting but did you have anything else
1: um i just wanted to ask you mike uh you in your broadcasting career you've probably seen a lot of great plays but uh what are some of the strangest plays or uh occurrences you've seen on the baseball field
3: i i have two all-time favorite plays that i've called and may i sure all right one was uh, in, and I actually these are both plays that I often talk about. I find myself talking about them at least once a year on the air during the broadcast because something comes up and it'll remind me of it. But one was in Albuquerque where uh, they have a gimmick in the stadium and they have a hill in center field that, that's in play. There's a, the center field goes straight back and then there's a warning track and then there's about a 20-foot hill that goes up to the actual center field wall. And we had a guy, Chad Myers, playing center field and it's a deep drive to center field. He turns his back, races back, across the warning track, up the hill, then turns and looks for the ball and realizes it's about 25 feet to his <laughs> right, runs sideways along the hill, dives, catches it, and then rolls down the hill. It would have been the greatest <laughs> sports center highlight of all time, but the game wasn't televised, so no. no one ever saw it. But So that that was an amazing play. And then we had, uh, we had a guy who Mariners fans remember, Charles Gibson, who was a... Well, mostly a reserve on some very good Mariners teams in 2000 and 2001, but uh, he did a straight steal of home plate uh, once that is still the only time I've seen that in AAA baseball where, uh, you know, he just takes off when the pitcher's in his windup and cloud of dust at home plate and, and a safe call. And what made that better was the, the story afterwards was because our manager was Dave Myers, who coaches third base, and he had been coaching Charles Gibson since so they had come up through the low minor leagues together, getting promoted a lot of the same years. And he said ever since Gibson was a rookie at the lowest level of the minor leagues, he always, every time he got to third base, asked him if he could steal home and he would say, I know I could get it, I know I could get it. And Dave would say, no, 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 just stay here, you're not going, you're not going. And finally, this one time, it was the same old thing, Gibson said, hey, I know I can get him, and Dave just went, all right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and he made it. <laughs> Great story. All yeah. right.
0: Did you have another? Do you have another question? Uh, well,
1: you know, uh, oh, the only other thing that I noticed is, and I can't believe it, the Rainiers finished seventy four seventy last season, right? Yeah. They win the division, and the second year in a row, no Rainier All Stars. Is that
3: right? You mean in? Uh, For the, well, it's there's been two, two All Stars. There's a mid-season All-Star game where every team has a representative. That's the AAA All-Star game they show on ESPN. And then after the season, they do a postseason All-Star team, which that's is one player I'm, at each right position. Up. Yeah, that's, No one, that's no one made that about. this year. And yeah, because what's
0: I, the catcher's name? Of? I, Adam
3: Moore, who yeah, I, Adam thought, Moore, I thought he was the best candidate to make that postseason All-Star team, but he ended up. Uh, not making it a guy from two, uh, Reno, uh, who had a good year. Jim yeah, John Hester surprised. made it instead, yeah.
0: Do you think Adam Moore is like uh, one of those can't-miss guys? You I think, th- think he's, th- I think he's a
3: can't-miss major leaguer. What, what he turns into in the major leagues is right. – uh, up in the air, and you probably shouldn't even ask me because one thing I've learned in all my years doing this is <laughs> I make a lousy scout. I, I could pick out the easy ones, but the, the ones that are t- tougher ones, like an Adam Moore, I'm going to struggle with. Right. So, uh,
0: I just know that he got a lot of press, and uh, he was really talked up quite a bit, quite highly this year. Yeah, so.
3: I mean, I, I think he'll make the Mariners' opening day roster. And maybe i will eventually be the starter. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Well, with
0: Kenji gone. Right. Yeah. So who knows? All right. Well, uh, Mike Curtle, we want to thank you so much for coming in and sharing your baseball stories and knowledge and everything. How and about our Big Ten? I'm getting to that. <laughs> well, you thought you were going to. Inter- <laughs> I was going to say before we let you go. Look at Double D <laughs> chimes in. Yes. I have to at least he's, talk on something. Double D chimes <laughs> in at the at the most awkward moment. <laughs> And then ruins my whole thing. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. Oh, man. So the standards just dropped. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but before we let you go, is that is that that's, better? Yeah, that's a lot better. Okay, good. I just thought you I, were going to No, getting, I was getting. I got it right here. Because you've had a rough day. I have had a rough day. All right. What but, happened?
3: I don't know. Tell just, us about your rough day. <laughs> 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 well, my rough day. day
0: started um, during the week when my car got broken into and then <laughs> a bunch of stuff got stolen and um it's just gone from there so uh uh, we'll talk about that on a later another podcast (laughs) but uh, we're here about you so let's do the big 10 and uh the these are 10 quick questions that we're going to ask you and just one word answers or quick answers uh just people get to know a little bit more about you so we'll start out with the question number one what is your favorite food
3: pizza god's food <laughs>
0: there you go what well, what kind what, what kind of pizza we have?
3: ah uh, there's all kinds of options now there you go yeah but i am a Not pepperoni like the, mushroom sausage kind of there, guy but uh, i'll yeah. branch out
0: <laughs> you ever have some in the booth with you
3: uh, i don't i can't eat during the broadcast uh, for it bothers me for some reason but uh, a lot of my fellow broadcasters just crush food during 90 second uh, commercial breaks and they keep <laughs> broadcasting like it's no big deal yeah, i just you don't run, understand i you could can't run do down it.
0: there and grab that little caesars at the ballpark yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right what kind of car are you driving these days
3: uh a ford escort from 1998 and i really want to get rid of it
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, this might be a little awkward but uh, maybe not what's your favorite team
3: well, I'm a big Rainier's fan. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Might be the biggest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very smart man. Nick Lachey, I think he's listening. Yeah. What's your favorite color? Uh, blue. There you go. Yeah, I have been right.
3: asked that since <laughs> I was about four. That's right. That's
0: why we ask, because some of the responses we get are yeah. way out there. All right. <laughs> uh, your favorite tool, whenever you've got anything you work with, something that you enjoy, what's your favorite tool?
3: Well... Um, I guess that'd be my little digital recorder there that you I go. record interviews and stuff with. Yeah. That
0: is the first. You know what? We've had a lot of broadcasters on here, and every time I think they're going to say my microphone or a recorder or something, and we all, they always talk about a hammer or <laughs> a, a <laughs> screwdriver <laughs> or something. You're the first guy. Way to go, man. You, he's a true broadcaster right here. Uh, your favorite band singer or musician? Did you say one word, one band, singer,
3: or musician? How long? How much time do I have? We got on? time. Plenty of oh, okay. time. Put it in categories. I've always been a huge Neil Young guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My favorite band is, uh, as a younger person, was Pavement Who's now their front man Stephen Malkmus, has a solo career. They're yeah. reuniting next year. It's going to be really exciting. They're probably going to do their Seattle concert while I'm on the road with the team. <laughs> it's going to really suck um yeah and uh big sonic youth modest mouse indie rock guy
0: very good yeah. yeah do you ever have that playing in the commercials like commercial time crank up the
3: um no it's, <laughs> it's put the headphones I, on get cranked I up don't, we play a lot of music during the broadcast especially in the post game show but there's a kid who has to sit in a studio all day long basically does, huh? underground in seattle putting the game on there and playing the commercials <laughs> and so i kind of let him do the oh, music because go. he's got to have some sort of
0: yeah, he's got to have the button to pull. Yeah,
3: he's got to make oh, some decisions. Yeah. Wonder right. boy, are you listening? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> your next gig.
0: Okay, for you right now, and I don't know if you get to maybe in the off season you get to watch some TV. But what's a can't miss TV show for you?
3: Uh, high stakes poker on the game show network. Hit the DVR on that. <laughs> oh, Check it out later. Yep, there you yep. go. Yep. Love it. Uh, what's the last movie you saw? Um, not a big movie goer. So DVR, uh, DVD, I, uh, I record uh, them on the the dvr sometimes uh they're too long aren't they (laughs) yeah they are i'm not a movie i'm not really a movie guy okay that's fine i just recorded the uh what was the one that was real popular probably going to win some oscars the kids in india they win something Oh, yeah i just recorded that i haven't watched it yet everyone says it's good i'm gonna watch it it,
0: yeah you'll like it
3: all All right.
0: right uh what's the last concert you attended
3: uh them crooked vultures last night at the paramount theater how was that? It was outstanding. It's the new super group with yes, John are. Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin and yeah. David Grohl from Nirvana playing drums and Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age on guitar. Listen He's, to a him. He's a total guy. Great show, great show.
0: Yeah, very good. Uh yeah, I heard good reviews on that. And the last one of the Big Ten, what's your favorite drink? Oh, which category? Well, uh, let's go soft drink, hard drink, and whatever you're drinking.
3: <laughs> All right. I'm mostly a Coca-Cola for soft drinks, but I try to avoid that. Okay. But then I drink a lot of Coors Light, and I don't really try to avoid that. <laughs> and then if I want to drink good beer, I drink like an Anchor Steam or a Sierra Nevada. Oh, very good. And I hardly ever do the liquor.
0: Yeah, no, no. Yeah. we. I, not during the broadcast. Oh well,
3: no, none of this during the broadcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. During holy, the broadcast um, there's water and water on like <laughs> holy, holy Harry
0: Carey. One of those one of I those admire uh, Harry Carey, yeah. one of those mid July one nothing games, like a hundred degrees outside. You're like dreaming about a nice uh, coors light, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, we want to thank you for coming in and uh spending some time with us. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be looking for you next year on the Rainier Network, and hopefully, maybe you'll have Double D in to co-host with you.
3: Yeah, he's a man <laughs> of many words. and uh, I could tell that he'd be really, really lighten my load on the, the Let's work. Let's see. Yeah. I've been
0: to, I think, three games since I got out of high school, and one of them was with me. Yeah, but I didn't watch. That he game. thought a basketball game broke out. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. Really paying attention. Kept wondering when the touchdown was scored. Yeah, what's the deal with that? How how did they
3: even score baseball?
0: (laughs) So anyway, Mike, we appreciate you coming in. Thanks so
3: much. All right, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right, so Mike Curdo, <laughs> voice of the Rainiers, we're gonna get you in the booth, man.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm
2: sure everybody wants to hear.
0: I'm that. pretty. Didn't he take your number down on the way out the door? Well, I wasn't. I was just gonna surprise everybody. Just it'll to... it'll be
1: like a Cubs game. He's gonna have you lead the crowd in uh, take you out out to the game. Ball. Ball. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, Maybe I can do that.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, move straight ahead here. It's time for some birthdays, yes. New Year, New Year, <laughs> New birthdays, New birthdays. People are turning a uh, little the, bit older. The first
1: birthday is that little naked
0: baby that's got the sash that says "2010" oh, on it. Oh, and this guy was—well, uh, <laughs> this guy was born actually on the ninth, and uh, in 1944, he's going to be 65 this year. 65. Jimmy Page. Oh, Jimmy Page, yeah. Oh man, Zeppelin.
1: Uh, One of uh, the greatest guitar players 60, of all time. He
0: can retire now. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> I think he should have retired a while ago. All right, and on the fifth, turning seventy-eight, uh, Robert Duvall, one
1: of my favorite Robert actors. Robert Duvall, one of my favorite movies of all time, The Great Santini. Yeah, oh, love
0: that movie. He was—he's uh, uh, anything he's been in, he's it's fantastic. always fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And God then this honor. guy, uh, one of my favorite bands from the nineties. I, I love these guys <clears throat> from the beginning, and he's going to be forty-nine on the fourth. Michael Stipe from R.E. M. That's right. One of the best rock shows I ever saw out at the Gorge. REM, man. And uh, should we ask Double D what
1: REM uh, is the abbreviation for? Ask him if for? he's ever even heard of REM. <laughs> have you heard, I've of heard of of R-E-M, of REM?
0: But I've always wondered what that meant. Yeah, you don't I even, even know, know REM. Know? R-E-M. No. Do you know
1: Wonder Boy?
2: What? I have no idea what it means. I just want to name, ha- have him name one song from there.
1: It has something to do with sleep.
0: Yeah. Do <laughs> you ever heard of the REM part of your sleep? Uh, yeah.
2: And what the happens during
0: what happens? Yeah. And so what happens? R E-M stands for Rapid Eye Movement. Yes! Yes! What does that have to do with sleep? All right. Because when when you're asleep, your your, eyes eyes are fluttering
1: when you're in that stage.
2: I guess I don't get there very often. Yeah,
1: obviously. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Bill Nye, the science guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if you see those guys walking around, wish them happy birthday. All right. We have to go to the other side. It's early in the year, but we've got to do it. Uh, This man was born a while back ago, uh, January 3rd, 1892. He would be 117 years old. Young chicken. And he wrote a few books that uh, became somewhat popular. (laughs) Had, what uh, what were they called? (laughs) Gnomes or fairies or... Hobbits. Not a, oh, Hobbits, that's right. Oh, gee. Gee, see, I'm not a big, big fan. But, uh, oh, really? Well, I like the movies. Oh, wow. <laughs> but the books were rather thick.
0: They were
2: great, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right,
2: J.R.R.
0: Tolkien. Oh, uh, Double D, do you know any books that Tolkien's ever written?
2: Uh, probably not.
0: Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. Yeah, guess, that yeah, whole that's series. That's what I was going to say, okay. yeah. Yeah, Sure. And then the Pink Floyd music
1: <laughs> you're hearing in the background yeah. is in tribute to this guy. And uh, he was uh, crazy as a loon, is but what he they say. But he was a genius, as all yeah, you up. know, he had the, the affliction. Uh, Started J- one of the greatest rock bands ever to Pink, be known Pink, to mankind. Yeah, Pink Floyd. 1-6-1946. Sid Barrett would have been 63 years old. Didn't pass away too long ago. And last but not least, uh, this is a day that I try to take off every year. Uh, I never work uh, this. Uh, it should be a national holiday. January 8, 1935. Uh, who else can go by one name? Uh, well, there's a few, but this guy <laughs> definitely can go by one name. Elvis, 74 years old. Yeah, so I, everybody, can, I still
0: can't believe that guy's... Uh, it, it, I always wonder, man, what it would be like if he was still going. Well,
1: everybody meet me on January 8th I'll be taking the day off. We can start with some peanut butter and banana sandwiches. We'll grill <laughs> spend, those
0: babies up. Spend some time on the uh, porcelain throne. <laughs>
1: That's right. And I'll show you a
0: hunk of burning love. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, our next guest on the uh, big uh, New Year's, Shen Shenanigan, and Flim Flammery, is uh, <laughs> this guy is no stranger. This should be no stranger to anybody. This guy has the, uh, man, the pipes to beat all pipes. He does. And let's listen to a moment of
2: his work. Rittenour will sprint out to midcourt to take the handle. He's covered by Atkins, gets a screen from Petro. Rittenour works to the eight-second mark, just passed Ray, checks the clock. Eight seconds remaining, one-on-one, on one, and Eddie Jones beyond the three-point perimeter, makes a move with four, leans in off balance with two, the shot is up, it rolls around the rim! It rolls around the rim and falls! In with three tenths of a second remaining Allen has given the Sonics the
1: lead him so everybody get ready to get on your magic carpets and ride
0: that's right man <laughs> with so, Casey. Casey, here we go so Kevin it's uh you're like a Northwest legend and and uh you've been a broadcaster for the well you were a broadcaster for the Sonics for 21 years and uh what was it like taking over for legendary Bob Blackburn
2: well, it was uh it was pretty exhilarating actually because uh I had been previously had been out of work for about a year and a half. I didn't have any play by play uh and just to be given an opportunity to rejoin an NBA team was uh you know exceeded my expectations. I didn't think I would be able to get back into the league. Uh you know, if you've missed a season or two after being in the league as I was with the Kansas City Kings Yeah, Um, and then and to be on the outside looking in is always difficult. So, given an opportunity to come to Seattle, I was uh, overjoyed. I you know I met Bob once before when I came into Seattle with the Kings, and I loved the town, absolutely loved it, and uh, thought the organization was obviously top notch because at that time it was '87, so it wasn't that far removed from a World Championship. No, just a few years, and some of the good times that they had here in Seattle. I mean, when you look back it was only 8 seasons later that i joined the sonics so um uh, i was uh, i was thrilled at the opportunity and then you know obviously working with bob and as gracious as he was and continues to be and um, a former friendship and a bond with him was was good and to and to learn as much as i did about uh, you know about the league and about good play by play broadcasting from him was also uh that, you know uh, a big benefit to me
0: well, and that's a good uh, that's that's a good question. I have uh, coming off of that was you did start um, early on, and I believe you're from Indiana. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, from Indianapolis, Indiana. All I right. done uh, Hoosier. Yeah, I done a lot of high school broadcasting uh, when I was in school, and Butler University is a Division One school that's uh, done quite well in the NCAA tournaments uh, uh, the last uh, decade or so. So, you know, a school uh, steeped with basketball tradition and Later uh, hooked up with WIBC in Indianapolis, uh, the Indianapolis-Indiana uh, Pacers flagship station at the time, and uh, hung around and did various things for them. And they got a chance to do some minor league hockey back in Indiana, and then nice. did Purdue basketball and football and radio for one year, mm. uh, and then took an opportunity with the Kansas City Kings, and was there a year before they uh, changed radio stations and then eventually moved to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So I, I did you know, I bounced around a little bit when I, when I was younger in my twenties It's uh pretty commonplace I think in the market. Well, uh, you know, and when you're in your twenties you're in a rush to get there. Sure. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> and so you naturally you make you make some moves and sometimes they're lateral moves and sometimes they you know you think they're great career moves. But uh at any rate, uh Yeah, I eventually landed in Kansas City and was doing the Kings, and and, uh, really enjoyed doing uh, NBA basketball.
0: Well, we're we're thrilled that you actually ended up landing here, because there's nothing better than well, there was nothing better than listening to Sonics game hearing Calabro come through, and uh, as driving around, sometimes I'd be in Moses Lake and just hear that. you know, some of those signature calls echoing out over the lake as we were fishing, it was just some magic
2: moments. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, you know, those are great, I love to hear those stories, because I, you know, I, when we're doing broadcast, because I, I kind of imagine myself, too, when I was, when I was listening to a lot of radio driving cross-country out in Indiana, you know, you'd get signals from literally all over the country mm-hmm. uh, in the yes. Midwest, the signal just skipping around, and, you know, I grew up listening to uh, baseball on radio, and, all those great announcers from the East Coast and St. Louis and Chicago and down in Atlanta and you know the Buck family and uh, the two generations of the Bucks, the three generations of the Carries, Bob Prince at KDK in wow. Pittsburgh. Uh, you know all the all the great ones. Now Michaels, one when he used to do radio for the old the Cincinnati Reds, he was there at one point uh, before Marty Brennan, As a matter of fact, wow. He's just one of the great voices in baseball as well. So when I hear stories of the people you know that have heard me do some some basketball play by play, I think about. It. It's not much fun. It's just you know being a listener. <laughs> and, and being driving cross-country and uh, being entertained for a couple hours to listen to a ball game.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the games were entertaining, but even more so was uh, just listening to your calls. It was magic. It was just, uh, the, know, just the, the picture that you painted and the excitement that you brought to it. Uh, just, you know, we were hanging on every word. And, and now you're with, uh, of course, the Seattle Sounders FCC. What's the transition been like for you going from basketball to soccer was that uh, difficult, or did you slide right in, or how did that work?
2: Nah, it was tough. Uh, you know, people didn't really know, you know how that was going to work, and you know, I think to a certain extent, with some soccer people, the jury's still out on you know whether or not they like my work or don't like my work. It's it's really difficult with the soccer because you don't have anything or anybody to compare your work to in the states because no one really is. Is doing uh, a simulcast or doing local broadcasts uh, uh, that I'm aware of it, that, that that really has a flash or, or a style. Uh, I mean, there are guys that are attempting to do it, but the league is kind of it's fairly young, 95.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh, JP Della camera does an excellent job on ESPN TV, but remember, it's a TV only call. We're doing a simulcast, so there's much more involved with it. But uh, it's been it's been interesting. So I've been able to you know experiment. And they've been very uh, tolerant, I think, and very patient of 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 me and my <laughs> limited knowledge of soccer, so, yeah <laughs> uh, I, you know I had to do a lot of of you know obviously a lot of homework, did a lot of listening to English announcers.
0: Yeah, it's just announcing some of those. Well. Pronouncing uh, some of those names probably a tough gig right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. You, you know, you've got you got people from all over the world, sir. Sure, uh, but you know, you do in the NBA as well.
0: Well, now, yeah, know? now you do. That's true. That's
2: true. Yeah. So well, that's, that's all. That's all part of it.
0: When you uh, now are you still on ESPN and doing some college on FSN?
2: Or yeah, I'm going to do "Infected to the Game" Friday with uh, Jeff and Gundy and. Mark Jackson
0: okay, uh, great we
2: did the, the Lakers, Denver and so I'll be doing a, a schedule of games for ESPN TV and the NBA and perfect and then just be doing some uh, husky basketball for Fox on a limited basis so
0: okay yeah well
2: so you're uh, still we'll all have over a the place. I'll have a nice mix. I'll be bouncing around it won't be too many nights where I'll, I'll be at home in front of the fireplace unfortunately
0: <laughs> Now did you have any connection uh, or involvement with the ABA? When you were starting out, I've heard you make reference to the ABA. Was it just, is it just well, something that you've been... I was a been... huge
2: ABA fan. Uh, the ABA, one of the charter teams at the time was the Indiana Pacers. And, uh, you know, I'd have been 12 years old, I think, the, the year that uh, they came into the league in 67-68. And I was a huge ABA fan. You know, I remember my dad taking a bunch of us to exhibition games when they played some of the old NBA teams, the Cincinnati Royals, yeah. uh, which are now the Sacramento Kings. Yes. Where the became the Kansas City Kings and Sacramento Kings uh, would would play every year would play the Indiana Pacers and that was a big deal because you know you always wanted to measure yourself against the best and mm-hmm. so it would be ABA against NBA and there was you know there were some great teams out there at the time uh, the Kentucky Colonels were also uh, a big time team in the ABA so Kentucky and Indiana naturally have a great basketball rivalry high school basketball rivalry and sure. so it was a great professional rivalry as well and. Ducky had some great teams. They were coached by the great U.B. Brown. They won some ABA championships, and the, the Pacers won some ABA championships. I can always see
0: Hubie. Uh, I love to watch the old footage of him uh, stalking the sidelines with that tweed coat.
2: Tweed coat, and then you know he always had he had the white perm.
0: That's right.
2: He, he had that kind of that white perm of his, and uh, they had some terrific teams. You know they were. Uh, Artist Gilmore, the A Train, the Big Man, oh, fan, yeah! So they had some extraordinary talent down there. The
0: yeah, center. the ABA was stacked. There's no doubt. I, I grew up in uh, Houston, Texas, and uh, we had the Rockets. But um, there, the ABA and the NBA was—they uh, were still separate, and it was pretty amazing. The, the Gervin and um, a lot of the yeah, play-
2: the San Antonio Connection and the uh, Dallas Chaparrals had some good teams too. Yeah, you know, Steve Jones, and they'll play for the old chaparrales, but uh, the Iceman was—he uh, oh, he was a phenomenal ABA player.
0: He was amazing. I, I, that guy always rocked my socks. Well, you're known for uh, several of your classic catchphrase calls. You know, chicken flying chickens in the barnyard, and good golly, Miss Molly, and uh, we all love hearing those. I mean, that just electrifies us and the crowd and and everybody else. I'm just curious when you're work when you were working on phrases to come up with. Uh, when did you know something worked? Did, did did just was it magic that happened, or did you bounce it off the wife, or did, how did the, how did that come about?
2: No, I mean I just throw stuff out there, uh, anything that entertained me and uh, kept me energized and uh, it, it tickled me. I I'd, I'd throw out there, and if if the listeners got it and liked it, great. If they didn't, uh, then I'm sure somebody would let me know. But you know, I didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of letters, didn't get a lot of emails from people saying, you know, you're And I think
0: that's why it worked. I think. Uh, well, yeah, I, yeah. I think people just
2: enjoyed it. You know, I always felt like I was a, a good broadcaster outside of that stuff. You know, I could I could deliver you a good nuts and bolts broadcast if that's what you needed and if that's what you wanted. But for our purposes, for local purposes, and and to the credit of management, they really never you know uh, uh, tampered with what I was trying to do at all, and uh, never tried to, to to guide me in any in one particular direction. Uh, they seemed to like it as well, and. And uh, so, you know, it was nice to have the characters that we did, too. We had a lot of very, very nice gentlemen that played on our basketball teams, but also guys with great character, but also guys that were characters. (laughs) Yes, exactly. They like to have fun themselves. (laughs) And uh, and so it it made it actually made the assignment pretty easy.
0: So, uh, well, on that vein, who were some of your favorite and maybe not so favorite players that you've uh, worked with?
2: Well, I'd say without question, you know, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp were, were a fun team to be around. And, of course, Dettler's shrimp on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just one of the classic guys in the league. Sam Perkins was on that team. and Just a wonderful character and always telling some great stories. Um, I remember the first team I, I broadcast in 87, we had Xavier McDaniel, Tom yeah. Chambers, and Dale Ellis. So you're talking <laughs> about three guys who could score, or mm-hmm. did score for two years with the Sonics team. Better than 20 points a piece themselves. So they had a lot of firepower, without question. Yeah. Um, yeah, there really wasn't any player on this team that I didn't get along with at all. There were some guys I enjoyed more than others, I think, because, you know, there's some guys that had that that uh, over the top personality. Michael Cage was one of those guys, just a wonderful guy. Nate McMillan, obviously, uh, a true gentleman. But uh, in terms of guys that, uh, you know, always, always jabbering, always telling a story, always light up that you know that obviously would have to be Gary Payton. That guy was uh he was certified crazy.
0: Uh, oh I yeah, I saw know. him down in uh, Oregon State and <laughs> he was he was out of control.
2: Yeah, just just a you know, just a big time character with a, a great deal of energy. And then you put him obviously with uh, George Carl <laughs> um, the brain Jim Gergerich our assistant coach at the time and you're talking about three guys that just uh, were were just full of, just full of energy and uh, you know, always coming up with uh, different angles on life. Oh,
0: I'm sure you've got plenty of stories rolling around <laughs> your head that you can't share with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a good time. Uh, well, uh, with in doing the games, you normally obviously have co-hosts and uh, somebody who's broadcasting with you. Any favorites that come to mind? Of uh, We really enjoy when you're working with Marcus.
2: And, yeah, uh, Marcus uh, was, was a terrific broadcaster, good friend, uh, excellent uh Observer of the NBA and, uh, and talent, and just a huge fan himself. You know, he was a great player, and and, and he's also a great fan of the game. There, I've known uh, a lot of really high quality players that, away from the game, were great fans of the game. Uh, but but you know, he's a guy that just loves to watch basketball, loves to broadcast, loves NCA college basketball. He was a great college player himself. Uh, you know, I worked with James Worthy for a couple of seasons, really enjoyed working with James Worthy, worked with uh, Rick Barry, I thought Rick was, he taught me a, a number of things about about the game, and, uh, and and broadcasting as well, he was my first partner when I got to Seattle, and we actually went to uh, the Simulcast Radio and TV, and Rick was the first color announcer I worked with, but uh, I worked with uh, a lot of guys, uh, Billy McKinney and I had some, some good times, a couple of good seasons, Greg uh, Elo was... Uh, fun guy to travel with uh, always a, a lot of energy and uh just a you know a good guy to be around as well so uh, I've, I've been blessed in that regard i've had a, a lot of uh interesting people to work with
0: yeah well we think you uh made them all sound good
2: <laughs> yeah, well yeah, thanks. Well, and, you know that's it's kind of that's what happens when you when you click, you make each other sound good. Yeah, so, that's true. it works for everybody.
0: Well, uh, when the we're going to wrap this up here in a moment, but I'm just curious, when the mic's hung up and uh, you've uh, done your last game and your last broadcast, where are you going to call home? Are you going to stay around the Northwest? Are you heading back to the Midwest?
2: No, I think the Northwest is, is where we're going to be. I mean, we, we have been here since 87, and uh, you know, my family, my parents, my brothers, their families still live out in uh, Indiana and, I still have some good friends that, that go all the way back to, to grade school, and uh, uh, I see them uh, when I go out to Indiana. They've come out here, so, you know, in this day and age, you can, uh, uh, we, you know, we've been blessed to have the resources to be able to get back and forth. And, uh, no, know, I, I really enjoy it out here. Whenever I go to the Midwest, I'm constantly amazed at the just the flatness and the, the monotony <laughs> of the terrain. You know, I've I got I to have my mountains. i got to have my... My woods and streams and uh, and rivers and and oceans, uh, so that uh, you know and uh, and wide open spaces. And so the Northwest, of course, uh, has all of that.
0: Yeah, you don't realize that when you're growing up there, because I grew up in flat plains of Texas, and when you leave, you're yeah. like, man, this place is. There's yeah, nothing you go going back on,
2: and it's just it's
0: remarkable isn't it's just wow it is amazing well what's your state what's your thought on uh seattle and basketball we uh going to get another team or is that pretty yeah, much over I
2: think, yeah i think the, you know this town obviously has got a great tradition of the nba it's got a great tradition of college basketball i don't know that um anytime soon that uh, a building is going to be done or redone here in seattle for the nba i know there are a number of nba teams that uh uh, if there were a building here available, would move to Seattle. I don't think there's any question about that. The NBA has a collective bargaining agreement that comes up in two years, and I think once that is settled, and once the economics of the NBA are settled, uh, you may see somebody interested enough to come into the area and, and build a building here, a multi-purpose building yeah. for the facility for the uh, region, a facility for the region that would be, uh, you know, amenable to basketball, hockey. Big events, concerts, uh all those types of things that you would expect in a big city that right now frankly Seattle does not have yeah. so i you know I would think uh boy i would uh, I've told people I said it'll probably be another five years before we see a team here, but I think it will happen
0: oh, that'd be great I mean it's uh, definitely feels like uh, dry time when basketball season starts we uh we all of a sudden get sentimental and remember when, and that's no fun. No, no, it's not. All right, well, before we let you go, we have what we call the Big Ten. It's just ten quick questions, one-word answers. Do you mind if we fire those off to you? Sure. All right, Kevin Calabro, big-time radio announcer, voice of the Sonics, and Sounders FCC has his own radio program on 710 ESPN in Seattle from 3 to 6 p.m. What is your favorite food, my man?
2: Oh, that would have to be really good uh, seafood linguine. Sounds good to me. Uh, (laughs) What type of car do you drive? I drive a Toyota 4Runner. Favorite team? Favorite all-time team, Indiana Pacers. Very good. Favorite color? That would have to be silver.
0: And your favorite tool?
2: Favorite tool would have to be... Boy, I, I, I love to just take a good roundhouse swing with a hammer. Well, there's nothing better when you make contact with a, a, a nail with, uh, with the hammer. It just uh, feels so good. And nothing worse than when you miss. <laughs> That's, right. That's
0: right. Your favorite band, singer, or musician?
2: Oh, uh, boy, I'll just keep it in the Northwest here. How about Jimi Hendrix? Oh, yeah, you're the king.
0: For Kevin Calabro, can't miss TV show right now. What's that? Your your can't miss TV show, whatever the TV show you watch right now, you can't miss it. Oh, Mad Men on AMC. There you go. The last movie you saw?
2: Uh, District Nine. What'd you think about that? I loved it. Yeah, it was good. One of the, one of the best science fiction movies I've seen in a
0: long time. Perfect. What's the last concert you attended?
2: Ely Dad at the Paramount about three weeks ago. Yeah, I was gonna say they were just
0: here, and the last of the Big Ten. What is your favorite drink?
2: Favorite drink would have to be uh, a Silver Oak uh, Cabernet. Oh, the wine man. Yeah, well, when when somebody else is buying, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you come on down. We will have a whole bottle here for you.
2: <laughs> there you
0: go. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for taking time with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, don't be a stranger. Uh, anytime you have something to promote, please give us a call and come on, uh, come on in. I'll do it. Thanks, Darrell. Thanks, Kevin. Take All it right, easy man. now. All right, man. So Calabro, he's got, he's like the king, man. Yeah, he's. And it's nice to hear him doing the Sounders, and he's also doing basketball on like ESPN and TNT or one. I mean, he's around.
1: Or TBS. Yeah, he is great. Uh, We haven't had a lot of championships and uh, great teams to be happy about in Seattle, but we have always had great announcers.
0: Yeah, because Bob Blackburn, and I asked him about Bob Blackburn in there, because growing up, that's who I heard. When they won the championship, it was all Blackburn. And then when he he retired or whatever and they, they brought him in, we're all like, you know, who is, you know,
1: right, how's this going to work? We're sure, we're all especially mi- after replacing a legend. And but
0: he rocked the house. He did. He and brought it. So, anyway, so, hey, there you go. Kevin Calabro and earlier Mike Curto. So, well, before we get on out of here, we got to do uh, this day in uh, rock and roll. Okay, this day in music history. Yay. Uh,
1: January 3rd, 1987. And, uh,. You hear this song, and you know who it's Love by. Love this song. It is by the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Uh, she became the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, a well-deserved honor. She's uh, incredible. And in her induction speech, she said, we don't have any dry white toast or whole fried chickens. You better think. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. But she did say that. In the, the Blues, Blues Brothers, Brothers
0: movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Where are you? What? Really?" She she said that. Ackeroyd would be so proud. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so give her some respect. Yeah, she is the queen of soul. She's the queen of soul. So anyway, uh, hey man, fun show. Uh, Curto, Calabro, and you know, brand new year. We got big things coming up. We got lots of guests coming up. We got bands. We have uh, sports figures we got some more people who are on tv and radio and we're uh, you know we're all over the map that's why we are the northwest convergence zone take a double d where all things come together all right we'll <laughs> see you guys next week thanks for being here we'd love to hear from you send us an email off of our website and uh let us know what you're thinking and, uh, or maybe not <laughs>